FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 215 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snickety snack. We're your hosts, Jason and Denise Venable. What's up? And we're going to wrap up February 2017. Wrap. What? I don't think that's what I was talking about, but, you know, it works. It works. Uh, before we get too far, I do want to give a special thanks um, to me, to the Trump family. Um, We were able to procure a recording from 10-year-old Trump uh, to start off the podcast, so I appreciate that. (laughs) And also, I want to say a few things about the future. Uh Uh-oh. The future, Conan? Yeah, so uh, Ethan is going to come on again to talk about uh, Wolverine's appearance in Ghost Rider. And there's a story we tell during that segment, which, by the way... If you're not listening to those segments with Ethan, you're really missing out. Don't just go, oh, it's a kid, I'll skip it. No, this is some of the best podcasting we do, folks. So, um, Oh, he's better than me. No, it's a tie. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, I tell a story, but I left out a very important detail, so let me whet your appetite a little bit. Ooh. Let's just say that when you get to that story, and you're hearing the story, and if you think, I wonder why they did this, just remember this simple fact. Uh-huh. They called 911 instead of waking me up. So that doesn't make you want to listen to that segment. <laughs> to figure out what the heck happened, then you're dead inside. Oh, and that's a true, like, life story. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a very true story. So you'll definitely want to stick around for that. Jason slept through a 911 call. Not, uh, oh. I just... Uh, just edit it out. No, I don't. I can't do that. I didn't give away anything that you didn't already say. Uh, I'm not sure. You said... No, no, it's enough. Zip it. Anyway, we're going to... This is why you can't have me around, ever. <laughs> I spoil everything, including our son's chance to play the drums. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so... um. All right, so more more life story time with the Venables because that's, I mean, face it, that's more interesting than any of the comics we're going to actually talk about today. Plus, um, we're awesome. <laughs> plus, we're awesome, yeah. That's what she said uh-huh. just now. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Ethan was uh, getting ready for his middle school electives and... He can only pick one. So he picked band. Well, for sixth grade, yeah. yeah. So... So his elective that he wanted to do was band, like his old man. And, um, you know, he's been really excited about wanting to play drums. Well, as you may know, drums are the coolest instrument on the planet. Every kid wants to play drums. Because they're awesome. And um, so in Frisco, where we live, there's allegedly a straight lottery system. Meaning so many kids want it, they put their name in a hat, and they only pull out... Twelve. Is it 10 or 12? It was 12? 10 or 12. I don't remember what they okay. said. But it was, it was, you know, a dozen or less. Right. Um, the, the kids get to, to be in percussion. Um, but you still have to uh, try out. Yeah. 
And they still want to know things like, for example, he was very interested to know that Ethan already is learning piano. So, you know, afterwards, Denise and I, uh, I always swear your name. Afterwards, Denise and I talked and, you know, we're, we're suspicious on how much of a true lottery it really is. Like they may make a few picks and then lottery the rest. I don't know. Anyway, during during part of the little tryout, um, the drum instructor turned on a metronome. And he was like, I want you to, you know, tap your feet to the beat and tap your hand. And he kind of had him, even though they won't do drum set. When I was growing up, you didn't do drum set in school until eighth grade. Like, that was the first chance you had to play on a set. But regardless, they had him, like, kind of testing his coordination. I guess, you know, it's good to know for the future. Right. Like, whether he can, like, you know, play this hand and this foot at the same time and alternate and stuff like that. And so Ethan was doing, you know, he was doing pretty good. He was on beat. Uh, he couldn't count to eight for whatever reason that that night. Yeah, um, the guy would say, okay, do this eight times. And yeah. I was counting and it would be like 11. Nine, 12. <laughs> and it was never even the same. It was no. just random. Um, I think he was a little nervous. It's fine. But anyway, so at one point, uh, you know, he's, he's jamming along. He's staying on beat. He's doing his thing. And um, the instructor's like, starts asking him questions. Well, okay. Helicopter mom over here. <laughs> no. One, I wasn't being helicopter mom. Yeah. Two, we're in this tiny, tiny yeah. room. No, it wasn't being helicopter mom. I just crammed a stroller and a toddler into the practice room. And it didn't even really fit through the door. We had to, like, shenagle it. <laughs> but the guy wasn't looking at Ethan when he asked the questions. No, he, was he was looking, making notes. He was looking at his clipboard. So I was like, is yeah. he talking to Ethan or is he talking to us? Because right. they were random questions like. Well, he asked him to spell his name. And he asked him, <laughs> he asked him to call for an emergency. And Ethan, without <laughs> missing a beat, said Ghostbusters. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. But anyway, the point was, and I picked up on this pretty quickly uh denise did not pick on it quite as fast um i didn't pick up on it at all he was trying to see like if he could multitask like if he could think other things and still keep rhythm which you know if you're going to pursue drums like past you know middle school band that's super important to be able to process and just kind of like the beat is so internalized and so much a part of you you can just kind of play and process other things as you go so anyway he was testing ethan on that but instead of letting him answer denise was answering all the questions for him and the okay. guy was eventually like eh. first off i wasn't answering all the questions <laughs> i answered one question and you smacked me no yes no you answered at least two well okay his first one wasn't a question it was wow you have a really long name and first off let me tell you it really offends me because I can't tell you how many people, when they look at my name or they look at Ethan's name, they go, you got a long ass name. Was, there's got to be some story behind that. And I don't even want to know. <laughs> and being that I'm a widow and being that I found a man who loves me for the events that happened in my life and what I went through and how I came through it on the other side, my uber long name means a lot to me. Like, there's a lot of love and passion behind that name. It's not like, oh, it's the name I was born with. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Nope, that's not the case. So when people start to go, wow, that's a really long name. Did you really have to have that? Did you really have to like hyphenate it? It just pisses me off. And his tone was like, 
Wow, that's a really long name. He was trying to get Ethan to spell it on beat. Right, but if he was like, hey, that's a, like if he was energetic about it, like, hey, that's a long name. How do you spell it? <laughs> okay, but he, he was. He was too cool for school anyway. He was disgruntly about it, and that he reminded me of me. <laughs> Gosh, that's why I don't teach drums. <laughs> I just play. Other people can teach. I I don't know. When he said that, it was just like, and then he wasn't even looking at Ethan. He was looking at the piece of paper, which made me even more like. He was making notes and following his script. I don't I don't fault him for that. I do. Yeah. Well, you know. As a teacher, you should be engaging with the person who's about to potentially be your student. You know, the people that um, <laughs> that teach band are just grown-up band nerds. I want you to process that. And I, I say that as a grown-up band nerd. Yeah, but would you honestly, like on band night, when you have all these kids who have probably never played an instrument and they're coming in for the first time and like, I'm going to get to pick an instrument. I'm, I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to play this instrument. And I'm going to be so excited about it. Could you really be that cold and heartless and be like, so that's a really long name. Spell it. <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> then you're exaggerating just a little bit. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> and then it's anyway. like, so, if you're in an emergency, who'd you call? And what's that number? I will say he didn't laugh. He didn't laugh when Ethan all. said Ghostbusters, and yeah. that was hilarious. So, he was dead inside. Um. <laughs> His soul was a shriveled up pee. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, band night was fun. Uh, choose your instrument. Yeah. So. Ollie loved the tuba and the trombone. Yeah. And those are Ethan's uh, next two picks, so we'll see what he gets. Yeah. Um Anyway, and that is uh, story time with the Venables. Sorry. <laughs> so we're going to talk about some comics now, and you're going to wish we had just stayed in this section. Yep. Because, <laughs> well, anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. All right, here we go. All right, first up, we're going to talk about Old Man Logan, number 18. Wow, you got real somber. Well, you know, I was just thinking. So this is Return to the Wastelands, part three. What were you thinking that made you so somber? I don't know. Ice mocha? Ice mochas don't make you somber. It's almost gone. Oh, that could make you somber. <laughs> anyway, this is written by Jeff Lemire. Art by Andrea Sorrentino. Colors by Marcello Maiolo. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woo-hoo. And cover by Andrea Sorrentino. This is a pretty sweet psychedelic cover. It's actually pretty awesome. Um, there's like a desert landscape, like, like you know how you, you can split it down the middle and like it'll reflect itself? Right. But then they turn it on the side so that it goes vertical. So the landscape goes vertical and it still splits and it's in this nice like red, yellow, orange and bleeds into green. And then... The right way, perspective-wise, is this jagged rock, and we have Old Man Logan in a spacesuit standing on it. It's just a really cool image. I like the stars, how they kind of overlay into the other... They overlay into both realms. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I actually did like this cover. Yeah, no, it's a great cover. It's, it's really nice, really fun. Considering this whole book, I've been like, eh. <laughs> so remember, um, Logan's on a mind trip in space... 
can't decide whether he's fighting the brood or fighting the wastelands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we find out at the end of last issue that it was a brood Jean Grey. And then something weird happens here that I need to, to rebrush up on my brood history. Because originally I know this did not happen. I'm trying to remember, like, rattling around my brain. There may have been, like, an early 2000 story that used this. Okay. And they basically used, like, the thing where there's, there's a part of the brood that, like, Attaches to the spine and and digs into the brain and controls people that way. Now, classic brood was all like the egg was implanted in you, right? And the the monster grew like inside you, more like an alien kind of thing. Okay. I think also alien eventually went to a thing that that got on your brain. I don't remember. Anyway. I thought it just jumped out of your stomach and... That was the first movie. Oh. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so Jean is not infected on the inside. She just has this thing attached to her her brain. And so Logan does some, like, super snickery surgery. Um, He gives the middle finger claw. By the way, I don't really know why these, like, weird hotel room doors are on the side of this panel, but they look really cool. Okay. Um, But, yeah, so... He cuts through after being tormented by memories of when he killed the X-Men in his future past. So I actually kind of like the zombie-esque uh, X-Men. Yeah, the Walking the walking Dead Men. Yeah. The Walking Dead X-Men. Um, yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And uh, he talks... It's interesting, and I'll have to try, to... I was trying to remember how true this was, but he talks about how... Something had never happened before. So he may have a Wolverine first here. He talks about his claws popping involuntarily. Ooh. Which, you know. It happens. It happens as you get older. <laughs> they make blue pills for that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so in his mind, he has to refight the, the dead X-Men. And then he goes back to the wastelands and he finds the baby Hulk. The baby Hulk turns into Big Hulk. Yeah, he turns into the warlord of the Wastelands. And I gotta say, that scene of his throne is pretty sweet. It's all villains kneeling down with the heads of dead X-Men. Yeah. Well, and they're not all X-Men, because Captain America's in there. Yeah, and Spider-Man, and it's just yeah. the dead heroes. Yeah. But he's on a throne made out of, like, T-Rex skulls, and it's just, it's pretty awesome. Are they T-Rex skulls or are they mammoths? Or dragons or... Oh, well... That's carnivorous for sure. Yeah, I just... I saw these husks and I wasn't 100%. I just assumed they were ribs, but they could be husks or tusks. Yeah, they could be. Just because there was two of them, I I immediately thought of husks. Tusk. Tusks. Sorry. That's fine. But yeah, so bowing down, we have Doctor Doom, Ultron, Juggernaut, Bullseye, Green Goblin... Magneto, Enchantress, Baron Zemo, Sabretooth, and Venom. I find it interesting that Sabretooth is in that. And Magneto, both of whom are currently good guys. But in this right. future, their future past, they were still bad guys. Hmm. Okay. Or switched back. But they're always switching back and forth. Yeah. I mean, this is why Sabretooth's third stint as a hero. So. Well, I think Magneto is one of those. I've always viewed Magneto as not really... He is he's neither the, good nor bad. Yeah. In a way. He he's on his own. He's one of those guys when you go you pick 
my side or and he goes I pick my side right at least modern Magneto like pre Uncanny X-Men 200 he's pretty much just a straight up monologuing terrorist villain but after that when some other writers made him more com- well when Claremont really worked on his complexity yeah ever since then he's kind of just blurred the line Anyway, I just thought this was a really, really nice double page spread with a few inset panels. It was really cool. And then he's confronted by his dead family. Um, the red hair snaps him out of it. Yep. And he cuts the thing off of Jean's neck. We get the middle finger claw. Yeah. He's giving it to the brood. See, and I was excited. I was like, he's giving Jean the middle finger claw. <laughs> and then he saved her. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, then um, this double-page spread of Jean, like, when she discovers that the brood and the people that are affected by the brood all share, like, a hive mind. She didn't she, discover like, it. cleanses them. It bugs me, because he's like, Jeannie, I need you to help us. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, wait, yeah. I can do it, because they're all one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Anyway, it's a really nice double-page spread. Yeah. Uh, Okay. It was pretty the great. You guys should go check it out. For it is great. The concept leading up to it. Yeah. Anyway, she helps everyone get free. Everybody wakes up. Uh, Beast and Shield come collect the brood. Time all clean up. Jean apologizes. Logan's like, you don't need to apologize. She's like, but I made you relive terrible things. Oh, like I care. I even showed you like future, like future terrible things. And then Logan says, I got to get back, which I think might be an interesting story, but I don't know how they're going to make it work because I don't think, I thought his world didn't even exist anymore. Like, I thought that was one of the worlds that was like destroyed at the end of Secret Wars. Uh, I don't think it was destroyed. I think he left. No, I thought he like was able to kind of slip through the cracks and survive when all the worlds were kind of merged back together. Oh, that's what I thought. I don't remember because I haven't liked this book since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Fair enough. Anyway, that's going to be his goal. His drive is to get back and save the Hulk baby and not... Because he feels like he turned into the the wasteland warlord because, you know, Logan left him there. Right. But how this world has a continuing timeline I, and how they're able to see, I don't know. It's because they need to sell more comic books. Uh-huh. And they want the series to keep going. Yeah. So. Maybe Hulk Baby will come and kill Jean. <laughs> <laughs> That's some wishful thinking on your part since she has a brand new solo book coming up. Oh. Which, I've, if I haven't bitched about losing Spider-Woman, one of my favorite books, like maybe ever, for Jean Grey's solo book, and then let me go on record as saying yeah, I'm kind of annoyed. Um, Jean Grey shouldn't have her own solo book because she is a horrible, horrible, horrible <laughs> female role model. Shouldn't have her own book. She should just be people's sidekicks that gets beaten to death. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> someone's bias is showing. Uh. What? No. Uh, yeah, I get it. Um, so what do you think about the art in this book? Let me guess. I love it. You don't. <laughs> there was one part in the art that I thoroughly enjoyed. 
and that was the zombie-esque X-Men. looked pretty rad, huh? It did. And I think this style works well for that scenario. I would love to see Sorrentino do like, I know it wouldn't be like the regular series because it's black and white. And plus, you know, I mean, Adwin's been doing it now for so long. He wants to change. Right. But I think it'd be cool if he did like a special. Oh, yeah. Like a Walking Dead special well, in color. Like him and Milo together with those colors. Oh, see, I don't know. I'm a Walking Dead classic. Like, I like the traditional black and white. Well, I do too. But that doesn't mean it's the only way it can be done. Mm, okay. As long as they don't do the like red and white splash pages <laughs> i just like those you know that they would i just like the way they were drawn yes i do too thought it looked great i thought yeah. everything i thought everything looked great though so um yeah what do you think of the story eh, it was okay i, mean, I don't I'm- like anything with gene gray in it Um, she should have stayed a brood. It should have sucked her brain out. She should have died. And that should have been the yeah. end of her story. You know, through this whole story, which has been kind of flat, in my personal opinion, the one thing that I've kind of latched on to is kind of the... the Jean tor- Grey was going to die? No. Uh, the turmoil and the torment of, of Logan. Like, first of all, the the struggle of trying to figure out which was real and which wasn't. And then now the idea of the guilt of like what he left behind. Right. On that one, like that kind of emotional part of it is really interesting to me. Um, pretty much the rest I could could do without. But um, I can do without the whole thing. Yeah, I know. Um, so what are you going to grade Old Man Logan number 18? You're going to be shocked. Three? I am going to give it a three. And I'm giving it three solely for the zombie-esque <laughs> X-Men. Okay. Um, the walking X. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it four out of six claws for the art. Um, yeah. So anyway, that is Old Man Logan number 18. So next up, we're going to talk about a couple of events. You ready? Ooh. Let's go. I, 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 V, 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 X, 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 I, V, X, X, X. We can fight if you want to. We can beat the Inhumans down because the X-Men should win. And if they don't win. Then Marvel's full of crap. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> Why not even bother? I quit. I quit you, podcasting. You, you should start every podcast with like theater techniques where you go... No, you go no, wow, wow, wow. So you can stretch out your mouth. Oh, is that what this is? Yeah. My mouth is unstretched. That's right. Anyway, I uh, my our favorite theme song I've ever done, and I can't even talk or sing. Well, That's ta- your favorite theme song? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I've, had, I've had way better ones. Well, I mean, right now. <laughs> I'll give it to you because you can't talk. <laughs> um, we're going to do an IVX update. Update, update. We have Inhumans versus X-Men number five. Five out of six. We're almost done with this thing already. Mm. They did this one fast. Um, Thank goodness. We have a tie-in with Extraordinary X-Men number 19. So, Inhumans versus X-Men number five. 
is written by the inhuman Charles Soule and the mutant Jeff Lemire. Art by Javier Garon. Colors by David Curiel. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And the cover is by Lino Francis Yu and David Curiel. And this is a pretty nice cover, I gotta say. I actually enjoyed it. So it's Medusa, I guess, like laying down with her hair, like making a complete circle, like all the way around her. And laying in her hair are a whole bunch of X-Men skeletons. Yeah, like that's where they died and just decomposed. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's a pretty great cover, I think. I actually, so I'm going to point this out. So one of the things I like about this cover is Medusa does not have your typical female proportions that most people would draw her at. I'm just kind of looking at that, like... She's very hippie. Yeah. Um, and the way, like, her, the shading on the lower part of, like, her abdomen, it almost appears as if she kind of has, like, a little Buddha belly. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So. But she is royalty, so she's, she wouldn't be yeah. starving. So, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed the fact that it wasn't your typical, like, big boob, tiny waist, tiny hip. Yeah. No, I agree. It looks very natural. Yeah. It does. So kudos, because we've talked about his art before, and that's not always the conclusion we come to. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but no, I I think the like the kind of the different amounts of details on the skulls, like some of them are a little more kind of fine tuned, and some of them are super sketchy. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I actually like Wolverine's skeleton. Yeah, it's pretty creepy looking. It is. Was that something out of Army of Darkness? Mm. Um, which was on the other night. I was so happy. Did you watch it? I watched a little bit of it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't <laughs> remember that at all. Um, yeah, anyway, great, great cover. So remember, uh, the Inhumans and the X-Men are fighting. Why are they fighting, Denise? Oh, because the X-Men want to take out the Terrigen Cloud. Uh-huh, because it's poisonous too. Right, and the Inhumans... Worship it. Yep. Okay. That's the fight. All right. So, what happens in this issue? So, um, I don't remember their names. Uh, uh, Karnak fights Phantom X and Jean Grey inside the world. Yeah, and he kind of <laughs> he he beats up Jean Grey. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part. I was kind of hoping that Rock would have killed her, though. Yeah. Um, so inside of Ava, he finds Lockjaw. Yeah, which reminded me of the dog from the Never Ending Story. A little bit, yeah. I think he <laughs> predates that by quite a bit, but um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's a giant, giant puggy bulldoggy thing. Yeah, with a mustache. Yeah, and a and he has a field gold. You think a field gold? Yeah, <laughs> gold post. When I was a kid, that's what I thought it was. That's funny. <laughs> My parents watched a lot of football. <laughs> um. Anyway, so then we go back to Colossus, and he's yeah, fighting. And humans are trying to break out of limbo, and he's the last last defense. Um, he's fighting. Uh, Who is that guy? Oh, Gorgon. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. The guy with the big thunder hooves. So they go into a, a building in X Haven, and they find Medusa's husband. Black Bolt. Yeah. Is all tied up. And they, they, I forgot about. I forgot that Two Face Havoc was a thing. Oh. He got, he got a side of his face blown off. Oh. Uh, 
What I thought was interesting was, you know, Medusa and Havoc have this back and forth monologue with each other where she's like, you know, you're not going to kill me. And he's like, no, I'm not. But what's interesting is, is she goes, you're going to give me my husband. And the guy she's intimate with is behind her. The fire guy. Human torch. Yeah. And I was really, really hoping that there was... Where do you see him? Oh, yeah. He's not in any of these scenes, but you're right. He is right there. Yeah. He's, the only scene he's in is the one where she says husband. Yeah. <laughs> and it, funny. I was waiting for like him to say something like, oh, this is going to get good now. Now we have like an extra layer of, you know... Drama. Yeah. And then nothing happened. No. But anyway... Uh, the Human Torch is so timidly dating Medusa, which is weird because it's so out of character for him. But um, yeah. So what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, so Two-Face, what's-his-face? <laughs> Two-Face, what's-his-face? <laughs> yeah. Um, Havoc. Havoc. Decides to let his brother go. Or let Medusa have his brother. No. Or, I'm sorry. No. Let, let he, Medusa have her husband. Have her husband because even though... He killed. Well, he basically decides. You know what? You can't. Where are you going to take him? You're in. You're in limbo. Yeah. You can't get out. But he also says, you know what? Taking blood for the people who killed my brother isn't doing my brother any justice. Right. And I actually kind of. Well, he's kind of become a pacifist lately, anyway. Yeah. So. And I will say. Um, while I find the art mostly pretty average in this book, uh-huh. neither bad, but not really anything I'm going to like go to sleep and dream about either. I, I really enjoyed a kind of a unique way that he drew Havoc's powers. It, I don't know what Havoc's powers are, I mean, so I was a little... The are not new, but just kind of the way he designed them and, and with kind of the incomplete circles and stuff like that just looked pretty cool, I thought. Yeah, I I enjoyed this. Yep. So back in New Jersey, um, the Inhumans that were not captured, which was mainly Ms. Marvel and friends, uh, remember they kidnapped Forge and then young Cyclops showed up and they were the ones that kind of realized like, hey, you know. Maybe we're not doing the right thing here. You should think about this. So Forge is redesigning his machine in the dirt. And what I love about this is, you know, he's like, hey, this is what I had originally designed. And um, the girl with the, the T-Rex. Moon girl. Moon girl. Moon girl and devil dinosaur here because she's an inhuman. Yeah. And she's like, hey, what if you did this? And I, I love how. Um, I cannot think tonight. Well, I can't talk. You can't think. We're quite a pair. Right. <laughs> um. Forge. Forge is all Sorry. Like condescending. He's like, he is condescending. How are you going to fix it? This is serious business. We don't have time for your little drawings. And right. she says, hello, my name is Simon. I like to do drawings. No, but she kind of puts him in his place. Yeah, she does. But to be fair, she's also, I think officially, like per Marvel handbook type materials, currently the smartest person in the Marvel Universe. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, she she kind of puts him in his place, and she takes his design, and she makes it a whole lot smaller. 
yeah. and basically says, hey, we not only have time to build one of these, but we possibly have time to build two of these. Right. And it's mobile. And it's mobile, whereas his was very stationary. Right. So they can point they it in the direction. They were where the cloud was going to go. Right. To use his machine. And she's like, we can go find it. Yeah. So they basically split up yeah. so that they can start to build right. the these two machines. Yeah. And just for the record, this whole series should have been a lot more of this. It should have, yeah. Like, I, we talked about it last issue, how they're kind of like, deciding to actually finally think about it was one of the most interesting parts of the book. Like this whole interaction with Forge and the kind of the, the other inhumans right. was the most interesting part of this book as well. It was because there's a layer of, um, you know, where they're like, hey, what you're, you're helping the X-Men. What is Medusa going to say about this? And it's like, well... I don't know, but we got to do what's right. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that, like, internal struggle. Yeah. So, uh... And Synapse and Reader come rescue Karnak and Lockjaw out of the world. Um, then we come to our kind of big fight in Icewind. So Scott, young Cyclops, I guess he's only, this is old Cyclops is dead now. He's just Cyclops. Right. The only person, we, we still have two Icemans. We still have two Beasties. And we still have two Angels, I think. I think old Angel's still alive. And one Jean Grey. Yeah, but we only have one Jean and one Scott now. Right. So we can just refer to them as is. We don't have Gene to. Gene and Scott. Yeah. But anyway, Scott flies his, his teammates, um, at least Mar Miss Marvel's on the champions with them and the other Inhumans and the Blackbird. They go to Iceland, but there they are met by Emma and her goon squad of X-Men, including both Wolverine and Old Man Logan. Now, before we get to here... Oh, sorry. Um... Mosaic asks if he can talk to Cyclops, like privately. Yeah. What do you think they're discussing? I don't know. I think maybe they're saying, hey, we're not all that different after all. Let's go to Breakfast Club. I don't know. <laughs> the only reason why I ask that is because in the scene where they're fighting, I think it's Storm says, Scott, what are you doing? Or do you know what you're doing? And his comment back was, I know exactly what I'm doing. Right. So, but then Mosaic Maybe goes into Storm. Plan. Yeah. And that's what makes me wonder, like, yeah, yeah, were they coming up with a plan? Or was it like, hey, I'm going to go after Frost. You go after Storm because she... Once she sees all this, she'll understand, and she she's the leader, so everyone maybe. will yeah, talk, maybe so. trust her. Yeah. So anyway, they fight in Iceland, which, you know, Storm would recognize the coastline. <laughs> little inside joke if you listen to my Atlantis Attacks episode. Um, but yeah, they do, so they're fighting, and Storm's like, Cyclops, what are you doing? And he's like, I know exactly. And she, he blasts Emma... Which was fun, but I hope there's a lot more to. Th I hope that's not it. I I will you know, say I don't like Emma's outfit. It reminds me of Magic's outfit. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, Bakalo's design for Emma Frost and Bakalo's design for Magic are very similar. Um, anyway, I'll, Scott's like super ticked at Emma, right? Because she feels like he she was or he feels like she was manipulating. His older self is responsible for everyone hating him right. and all that. So I hope this one optic blast is not 
you know, the summary wrap up of that conflict because I really want to see. Oh, yeah. A lot more of that. I want to see her throw her under the bus and like the turmoil that comes. I wanna, yeah. I'm kind of hoping she gets her comeuppance and that's what kind of sends her back to the dark side. Yeah. Because I, here's the thing. I feel like we have a lot of conflicts, internal conflicts within our hero base. And I feel like they're all about to kind of come to a head. You know, you've got Cyclops who's mad at Emma Frost. So you have that dynamic when the, what are the X-Men going to do when they find out what Frost did? And when they find out that Magneto was behind it. Or at least, you know, knew about it at the very least. Right. right. Like, how is that going to affect the team? Then yeah. you have Medusa who wants to take out the X-Men because they want to take out the Terrigen Cloud. But then you have that other group of Inhumans that are like, well. Now, why is it that all kind of younger? It's almost like a generational thing. Yeah. Which, which you know. That's real world, too. Well, it is real world because if you want to, and not to get too geopolitical here, but, um. You know, the X-Men have always, 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 always represent, or at least had the potential. I mean, whether you can talk about Stan Lee's very original intent or whether it was just a happy accident or not. And, you know, if you ever want to hear me and Cameron talk about that ad nauseum, there are plenty of examples in the flashback episodes. But, um, you know, at their best, the X-Men always represent uh, marginalized groups in society. You know, minorities... Of any kind, whether that be race, gender, sexual orientation, religious beliefs, whatever. Um, so at the best, at their best, the X Men represent that, and at least, and not to just cast aspersion completely on the Inhumans, but at least in this conflict, because of the nature of the cloud and what they're trying to protect, the Inhumans almost play the role of like. A, a, a fundamentalist extremist religious group in this story. Okay. For better or worse. That's kind of, you know, they have to protect what they believe in at all cost, right? Whether that means violence or not, it doesn't matter. And I think what's interesting is, and what you can see in real life, and sometimes to a degree, and I think it's relevant to today as well, um, and sometimes when you have these extremist fundamentalist groups, sometimes the next generation has the chance to reevaluate that and be a little more kind of in harmony with the rest of the world. So I, I think it's interesting that that generation gap plays out in this story that the kind of the old guard are like, we have to do, we have to protect our system, our institution you know, at all costs, and the, the younger generation of Inhumans are more like, well, yeah, this is important, I want to protect it, but we also need to make sure we're doing right by everybody. Right. And so I just, I don't know, I just think that's really, really interesting. Um, I don't know how much of that was intentional, but that's definitely kind of the way I read it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back in Exhaven, Colossus beats Gorgon, or Gorgon, he gets on to Havoc for letting them go, but Havoc's like, yeah, whatever, let's go fight. And so we go back to the Philippines, where we discover that Black Bolt cannot access his voice. So there's been some kind of like mental something done to him, and he can't use his power. Karnak 
Karnak says something dumb about the battle having weak points and the whole thing is falling apart. Which, you know, whatever. Um, so then, what, like you talked about, Mosaic possesses Storm. Uh, Magneto schools some kids and decides to drop a blackbird on everybody. So what do you think of the art in this story? I enjoyed it. Yeah, But it's there wasn't fine. anything like earth shattering. Right. Yeah, it made fine. me go, ooh. What do you think of the story? I feel like we're finally... <laughs> Five issues in and I feel like this is actually becoming an actual story. Maybe right. Maybe a little bit. And we only have one more book left. Yeah, one more. <laughs> of course. No, this this was the... And not the whole issue. Like, there were parts that were still kind of boring. But the parts that were enjoyable, like this is the first issue of the series that really felt like it was actually like a, a real story to tell. Right. And it's unfortunate that it took, you know, five issues to get there. <laughs> and we could have been there in two, maybe three? Uh, two, yeah. You know, yeah. one issue of, of setup and maybe a second issue of just the fighting and then the third issue we, we arrived to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, whatever they're doing it the way they're doing it. Um, so what are you going to grade in humans versus X-Men number five? I'm going to give it four out of six. I struggled between a three and a four. I didn't, I still didn't care about really any of the part of the inhumans trying to get out of captivity. Right. So like Karnak in the world, I, that whole scene could have been deleted and I wouldn't have missed it. Um, Medusa and her people getting out of limbo. Eh. The part with Havoc was kind of interesting, but really the part I really got into... The last three the, pages? Well, no, the last like, third of the book. Like, w- starting with the scene with Forge and the kids. Yeah. And then forward was pretty interesting, I thought. Yeah. And even the part, like, where they, you know, they finally get Black Bolt free and he can't use his power, like... All that kind of felt like, oh, this is classic. This is like good X-Men stuff. And the Inhumans right. happen to be there. <laughs> so, yeah, I will also, but I'll, I'll go ahead and go with a four. Four out of six claws as well for IVX number five. So that takes us to our tie-in. Extraordinary X-Men number 19 is written by Jeff Lemire. Art by Eric Coda. Colors by Maury Hollowell and Andrew Crossley. Letters by V.C. Joe Caramagna. And the cover is by David Yarden. And the cover is, I don't know what you call monochromatic with three colors, but... <laughs> it's tertiary. Yeah. Uh, okay, that. It's very muted. I like the cover a lot. Uh, Magic's costume wardrobe aside, I think it's really fantastic. So basically it's like this red background, like black kind of energy splatter and she's in a very pale like flesh tone in her costumes like i guess reflective so it's got the black shadow but it's also got like a tannish goldish color and then her hair and then her soul sword is all in white and black and she's stabbing like this spear with the inhumans in it and they're in black and white i think i think it's a great cover i don't know how it struck you Choked Sorry. her up. It was it so good, and she choked on it. No, um, I thought it was okay. It's not a true tertiary color, though. Oh, okay. 
a true tertiary would have been because um, that the black, the yellow, and the red is a tertiary, but her skin and her costume is a separate color. And quartiary? Chert. No. Then it's just four color process. <laughs> anyway, I wish the whole book looked like this. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Um, but this book does have an interesting element to it. The cover or the book? The book, inside the book. Okay. So this book takes place, it coincides with the battle in Icewind that we just talked about in IVX number five, except for there's these things called editors and they failed. Damn them. Because first of all, the story is all about magic and she's not in that battle at all in IVX number five. She magically popped in. And none of the people are the same. I mean, just a couple. A couple of people are the same. But a lot of them aren't. Like, Colossus was still in X-Haven. Um, Magic wasn't there. Old Man Logan's missing. Sabretooth is here all of a sudden. He wasn't there either. Um, anyway, Magic is fighting. And in the middle of the fight, Sapna starts talking to her from the sword. Um, she pulls magic inside. And this art is not bad. It's interesting. It reminds me of... Um, so... Oh, now I can't remember the name of it. It's a style of art where you get like a black... So you... It's board or paper. There's different types but it's coated with silver. And then on top of that, there's this black, thin, sort of like a powder coat. And so it's called silver etching. So you scrape the black off so you see the silver that's been covered up by the black. And obviously the more silver you show, the wider the page and whatnot. And it helps, especially like kids who are learning art, it helps them learn that bright, Things come forward and dark things go back. So if you want something to appear in the foreground, it needs to be bright and light. And if you want something to appear in the background, then, you know, you leave it dark. So it, it kind of helps them with that spatial uh, perspective. And that's what this reminds me of, that that white silver etching. Okay. Cool. Basically, it's a dark land inside the soul sword. And Sapna brings Ileana in there and says, I miss you. The magic's like, but uh, I'm in the middle of a battle and you're going to get me killed. Sapna's like, no, time's different. And the magic's like, it's not all that different. Yeah. And she, the, the girl throws a fit and magic says, oh, I got a plan. And she casts a magic spell and Sapna's able to come out of the sword and be a ghost, but only magic can see her. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I did not... The, the the art inside the sword was interesting. Yeah. The art outside the sword, I did not care for. The art um, inside the sword was a little treat for me. I enjoyed looking at it. I enjoyed kind of soaking it all in. It was very inconsistent, though. Do we have two artists on this book? No. Wow. Okay. Um, we do it, have two colorists. I'm assuming one person colored... The inside and one person colored the outside is what I'm assuming, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, the style was just a little 
and maybe it's the difference of something being up close and something being a full page versus a panel. Um, I felt like the drawing of the kid of of the characters was inconsistent from large sections to tiny panels. Okay. Um, but other than that, I thought the story was stupid. I actually don't understand the point of it. I don't know. I mean, I filler. I mean, I so so. Here's here's my kind of two cents. The story was very boring to me. Um, the end result of having Sapna as kind of like a ghost character that only magic can see felt very kind of mid eighties X Men to me. So I kind of enjoyed that. Right. I think that can be a cool thing going forward. Um, probably could have told that whole story in two or three pages. Yeah. In another, like, in a, as part of another story, it would have been just as effective and just as fine. Um, this felt really drawn out and like, is this still going? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, they're still there. You turn the page and yeah. she's still there. And, and combine that with the fact that I didn't really care for the art overall, I'm going to give Extraordinary X-Men number 19 two out of six claws. Okay. What are you going to give it? Um, I'm going to give it the same. Okay. Well, there you go. That is our IVX update. update I'm going to try update. the theme song again. I, 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 V, 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 X, 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 I, V, X, X, X. We can fight if you want to. We can beat the Inhumans down because the X-Men should win. And if they don't win, then Marvel is full of crap. You're so proud of yourself. I did it. I did it. I'm doing that little, what's that, the cabbage patch? Wow. Like um, that dance where you do the little, where you ride the bike, but you spin it in front of you. White boys don't <laughs> dance. They don't, they don't. When you eat in school, those fifth grade white boys do that weird, hyperactive ADD dance. So at Ethan's school, they have a birthday dance that the teachers like came up with. And it's, it's simplistic. Like. It's like, you know, roll I, your hands yeah. around and like, you know, kind of Saturday night fever up here, Saturday night fever over here. And these fifth grade boys came up with this move where basically their arms are like jello. Yeah. And they just swing back and forth. I mean, they're body stiff. I called it uh, the ADD scarecrow. Because yeah. it's like they're stuck on the scarecrow staff and their body can't move. But their arms are like the arms and the... The wavy arms guy. Yeah. Like. But down by their side. Yeah, yeah. So they it just swings real fast. They just swing real fast in front and in back of them. Yeah. Sporadically. It's, it's not a dance. No, it's not. But all the kindergarten kids are now like, I'm going to do it. I'm yeah. going to do it. Well, I'm gonna do. Kindergartners copy fifth graders. It goes yes. down the food chain. Yes. Um, anyway, that's our IVX update. Calling all the monsters, 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 calling all the monsters. It's time for our Monsters Unleashed update. We have Monsters Unleashed number three. <gasps> this is written by Colin Bunn with pencils by Lino Francis Yu. And I'm guessing this book is why he had to bail on IVX, I'm assuming. Possibly. Um, so, Gary and or Jerry, Alan Gian and Michael Jason Paz are the inkers. David Curiel is a colorist. VC's Travis Lanham is the letterer. And I, again, was able to get the Francisco Francavilla cover, which features The Return of the Martian. And it's the old classic Marvel mo- Martian monster fighting a bunch of fighter planes. Now, I think the, the call, I, I guess you don't really call that the call sign, when the ID tag on the fighter jet is 
FU001. <laughs> nice. thought that was funny. Um, but I really like this cover, but I also really like Francisco Francovia. And you know what? That's just my thing. All right. So remember last time some our heroes were fighting some monsters and some other monsters showed up. And that's where we are. Um, our Wolverine character show up here very briefly. We have monsters fighting monsters. Um, basically, uh, they decide to just kind of let it happen, right? Like Fing Fang Fu and his monsters right. defeat the other monsters. And, you know, they're like, hey, we couldn't let them have the world. It's our job to take over the world. We'll see you later. <laughs> um, and then there's some talking. Old Man Logan says something. When Bloodstone shows up, says she has a solution. And a cause, and we find out that this um, this kid, uh, what's his name, Kei Kawade? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, he's an inhuman. And he got hit with the mist, and when he came out, everything he drew came to life. And so he was drawn and he the monsters. he could monst- talk to it. Yeah. So he was drawing the monsters, and his parents like, were moving around from place to place. At first, they thought it was just a coincidence, but then they realized, oh, we're connected to this. Probably one of my favorite parts about this book is there's a there's a part where he's in the room with Groot and Rocket Raccoon, and he can the kid can understand Groot. Yeah, I love that because he goes, "I am Groot." Yeah. Plus, I really enjoyed uh, Yu's version of both Groot and Rocket Raccoon. Mm. Artistically, it was pretty cool. You disagree? I like Rocket. I haven't decided about Groot. I don't, well, so I feel me, like Groot has like the Italian slick back. Let me put it in perspective. So I don't like Groot's new design, his post black vortex. Like, I prefer okay. his design before that. Right. But in light of that design, I think this is one of the better versions. Okay. So, um, anyway, the heroes come and talk to the kid, then his parents show up. Then uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur show up, and she's like, hey, by the way, uh, I figured out they're all talking to each other, these monsters. There's an evil, evil monster coming. Uh, they name it. Um, what's it called? The evil queen, monster. Queen of Black something. Um, we get some story about Universal and humans, which I didn't care about. I love how... Um, oh, that's like the He-Man, the He-Man sword. sword. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Leviathan Mother. So it's the thing from uh, Supernatural. Right. Um, anyway, it's going to come. And we have our classic where the monsters go to the mother monster. And she's like, have you prepared my planet? And like, there were some complications. And she's like, we'll send the monsters, all of the monsters. So the last page is a horde of monsters heading towards Earth. I don't care. <laughs> what do you think of the art? It's okay. Oh, that was pretty good. Um, Again, it was one of those that I thought the art was good. Just there wasn't anything super stellar to make me go, ooh, I love this. Yeah, fair enough. What do you think of the story? We get some air quote reveals in this, this chapter. Yeah. I really, I, I know we have some listeners. Um, who are 
at least were, I don't know if they still are, uh, really enjoying this series in the first two issues. I'm just... I'm over it. I'm disconnected from it. I don't know. It's just not, it's not doing anything for me. I feel like it took him too long to get here. I don't even know where, I mean, okay. so Where is here? Yeah. So a kid <laughs> can draw monsters and he's inhuman. I'm, I don't know. I, I don't really care what happens. So I'm, I'm just completely disengaged. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give Monsters Unleashed number three, two out of six claws. Oh, I was going to give it three out of six. That's fine. Then you yawn through it. So it's yeah, almost the same thing as a two. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> low three. No, and it's not bad. And I can see where some people might find it kind of... Well, no, I, I can't actually. I I was hoping for this to be really fun. It was fun in like the first The first book. issue was fun. And I feel like the rest of it just kind of... Let's see how many monsters we can draw on a page. And then... And see how long we can take to get to the yeah. fact that the kid, even though the audience all knows he's the one doing it. Right. And let's, let's show them that. And then let's come up with a generic, I'm the monster who's going to take over the world. Right. I don't know. I'm just... Everything about it just feels flat to me right now. Maybe I'm just being pessimistic, but... I'm just I not like in, pessimistic, Jason. <laughs> just not into it. <laughs> So, um, if you want to hear me give comics really good reviews, listen to the flashback episode. Most of my grades are high there. <laughs> but I'm not on those. I'm ready. I'm ready to really start enjoying my books again. And I am. I Maybe I just need to do a different podcast. <laughs> Let's do a Walking Dead there's, podcast. We should. We started one and never released it. No. But there's a lot of comics I'm really enjoying. And just not very many... X-Men comics that I'm enjoying right now. Which is sad. It makes me sad. It breaks my heart. I don't see... I don't see the light at, on the horizon with the new creative teams. But I will give them all a fair shake. You know, anyway, that's not what we're talking about right now. Um, so, uh, that was Monsters Unleashed number three. Calling all the monsters, monsters, monsters. Woohoo! All right, and last but not least, we have Where's Wolverine? And Wolverine is still in Ghost Rider. <laughs> and here to catch us up on Ghost Rider, returning to the podcast that Ghost Nicked is Ethan. Hello. Hello. So we're going to talk about Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider number four, which continues the four on the floor storyline. This comic is written by Felipe Smith with art by Danilo S. Beiruth, colors by Jesus Arbatov with Federico Blay, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, designed by Manny Medeiros, and the cover is by Felipe Smith. And what's on the cover? So Ghost Rider is in the center, mm-hmm. and you see Silk. You see Wolverine and Hulk's giant fist. (laughs) (laughs) And Hulk's punching Ghost Rider in the face. Silk's kicking him in the head. Wolverine slices him up and he's just standing there. Yep. He's getting attacked, but he's just sitting there taking it. Which I don't know. I know Ghost Rider is indestructible, but I think Wolverine's claws could probably cut him. Probably. I think in the past he's been able to, like, he like bleeds flame all over the place. 
But um, but still, what do you think of this cover? I think it's the best cover they've ever done for this. Yeah, for this volume of this series, it's it's the best one so far. It's pretty fun. It's got some nice action. It's got some nice attitude. Like Ghost Rider's like, whatever. <laughs> but all the heroes are attacking them as hard as they can. We get some nice and Wolverine looks cool. Uh, Silk looks cool, and I guess Hulk looks cool. His hand, <laughs> his hand looks fine. <laughs> I think that's the funniest part that you can only see his fist and part of his like yeah forearm. his forearm right. Yeah, all right. So remember, in this story, we're hunting down the giant purple people eater, and um, or the the Pokemon monster. Gotta catch him, man. <laughs> and we're in L.A. And so, what happens in this comic, Ethan? So I don't know what they're doing. I think they're trying to rob this place. I think it's like a hideout. I think it's like their their base. It's a warehouse in East L.A. at four in the morning. And this guy used the F word like a whole lot. <laughs> he does. Yeah. When do you when do you say that? Like, usually it makes no sense when I just read this and like knock out that. So I try to kind of like translate in my head what <laughs> it actually means. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you are hearing live on the podcast the loss of innocence. <laughs> okay so you're substituting so he's talking about the cartoon like cuss words with the punctuation marks and you're subbing in your own words yeah and apparently my cuss word knowledge just tells me that pretty much all he is saying is the f word over and over again so fart (laughs) no (laughs) we have to have a talk after this podcast (laughs) All right. Well, so anyway, the warehouse starts blowing up from the inside, and everybody's running out, and there's a big ball of fire, and who walks out? Ghost Rider. Yeah. Now, you want to tell everyone what you asked me, though? So, in the third panel, it looks like this these people, it looks like a tree appeared out of nowhere, <laughs> and this guy's, like, getting hit by the tree. Right. So, what they're doing is, is you have these double doors, like these ship ship doors like you know where the trucks roll up at the warehouse i don't know what they're called the shipping doors the shipping bay i don't know um and so they open up to run away and you see the fire behind them and it comes out and they kind of like come flying out well so as it zooms in you see the fire with just the doors and there's a divider between the two doors but the way he drew the panel like when the guy flies out he, his body is like right on that divider and it does kind of look funny, like he ran out and slammed into like a, a tree or a little wall or something. And so it kind of surprised Ethan. He was like, huh? <laughs> but yeah, Ghost Rider comes out. And of course, they're all mad at him, but he doesn't care. He's Ghost Rider. That's a pretty cool scene of him spinning his chain, though. That's a nice little panel. Yeah, the only thing I don't understand is in one of the panels, you can actually see he grabs one of the people with his chain, but then somehow, like, it grows three other tra- uh, chains attached <laughs> to it and grabs three other people. Yes. It is a magical Todd McFarlane spawn chain for all my 90s fans out there. That's way older than you, Ethan. 
But um, I also want to point out, I really like the panel where he gets shot with the bullets. It's nice. He's just staring, like, straight at you in the yeah. panel. Yeah, and then he runs his car through all their cars so they can't get away. And let's, let's get to this one you're talking about. Well, oh, I think it comes later. Also, when he is staring at all the people. Are you talking about this one? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, I'm talking about the one where... The yeah. Yeah, his chain multiplies. <laughs> I got chains. They're multiplying. <laughs> I also and I'm gonna kill you all. <laughs> I like, um... Because a couple, um... Like, a couple books back, um, we had the whole scene where Ghost Rider grew the giant horns and kind of made, like, the demon Ghost Rider. Yeah. And in this picture, he has tiny little <laughs> spikes coming out of his head. <laughs> Almost look like Batman ears. <laughs> yeah. On his little, his creepy looking helmet. That's really creepy looking. I, I would wear that for Halloween. Yeah. And then he turns back into Robbie Reyes and throws up. So I, I guess I missed this in the first three issues. But even when he turns back into Robbie Reyes, and even later at the shop, he always has that weird check mark on his forehead. Like even when he's yeah. just Robbie, I didn't notice that. He's always had oh, that. Okay, I just missed it. He's had kind of like that check mark wrinkle. Yeah. So anyway, he throws up because of the violence. He argues with his inner evil uncle. <laughs> and then we go to the next morning. Meat whacking. <laughs> Sausage. Turkey. Smoked ham. Yeah. So who's driving the meat wagon? Again, it's Hulk. The totally awesome Hulk, not just any Hulk. Still, I don't understand his choice of vehicle. Uh, a wagon that has fire and really cheesily says meat wagon <laughs> on it. It reminds me of the Ninja Turtles and their pizza van. Yeah, um, it kind of does. Yeah. Um, so anyway, who all is the Hulk? Who all is he driving around? He's driving around Agent Coulson, Agent May from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh -huh. um, Silk, and the new Wolverine. Yep, and Wolverine, and they're hunting the monster. They're tracking it. And where is the monster that they track it to? They track it to the auto shop. What a coincidence. They said it went underground, and it's under the same body shop where Robbie Reyes works. But Robbie what Reyes is busy. He's trying to work, but he's distracted. What's he distracted by? So the new dude that supposedly killed a bunch of people. Yeah, he just got out of jail and he's got a job at the body shop. He's talking to these people and he's arguing with them, talking like, you don't want to get into this. Right. And Robbie Reyes recognized them, or recognizes them as gangsters. So he, he decides that he thinks that the, the guy who got out of jail is still a bad guy. And so... So then who shows up at the body shop? Um, the totally awesome Hulk yep. and as Amadeus May. Cho and, and Laura. May. Is that May or is that Laura? It looks like May. Oh. I mean. Oh, I guess it could be. Yeah, I guess it probably is because she was in the. That's what yeah. she was wearing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
So it's uh, Amadeus Cho and Agent May. And then what happens to the ex-convict? He gets headbutted. No, he does the headbutton. He headbutts yeah. all his friends. These guys are like, we want you to be bad again. And he's like, no, and he beats them up. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, we made you bad at least. Yeah. But that puts him in a bad mood. Because what does he do when he goes back inside? So... I forgot his name, too. I don't know if they actually say his name, do they? Um, it's been so long since they said his name. Let's see what it says on here. Gabe. Okay, so Gabe, a.k.a. Robbie Reyes' brother, puts mm-hmm. all his tools back on the shelf. Where'd they go, mind you? <laughs> yes. But Mr. Cranky Pants, ex-criminal... <laughs> Bites his head off and yells at him. And then he rolls away and cries. So Robbie doesn't like that the mean old man made his brother cry, so he swears revenge. And we have that really cool picture that I always love where it's Robbie Reyes and one eye is catching on fire. Yeah. Like like he shows that he's mad. I guess we should explain that Amadeus Cho and Agent May went in the shop to pretend that they needed a car fixed. That's yes, their, that's and their that, cover. But yes. really, they're just trying to recruit Robbie to help them find the purple people eater monster. Well, they also said that a monster totaled their car. <laughs> oh, true, true, true. So then our heroes eat sushi in the meat wagon. They're eating fish-type, like, Japanese food. Yeah, sushi. And they're yeah. inside... A meat wagon. Right. Which you think would have, like, hamburgers. Yeah, not (laughs) seafood that's been squished in a circle. (laughs) Sushi. (laughs) I call it fish that's been squished in a circle. Okay. So they're waiting for Robbie, but Robbie rides off and does something else. Where does he go? He goes to the dude. Yep. And basically says, leave my brother alone. And they get into a fight. Yeah, because the ex-con says, you don't want none of this. You're weak. And then what happens while they're fighting? The people who got um, beat up by this guy come back and are shooting at him. Yeah, they try to do a drive-by. And actually, he actually saves Robbie, but then he pulls out a gun and shoots back. But what can happen before anything else? He turns into Robbie Reyes. Well, she t- <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? My name is Robbie Reyes, and I turn into Robbie Reyes. Is that mm-hmm. cool? That's a great power. No, Robbie <laughs> no. turns into who? Ghost Rider. Yeah. And then smashes through the front car, smashes through the front win- window of the windshield, car, yeah. windshield of the car. And this guy <laughs> looks very, <laughs> I don't know, freaked out. <laughs> His expression is perfect. You don't think he would be freaked out? I think he would be freaked out, but his expression for being freaked out is very. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then also, Ghost Rider's car crashes into the van and they shoot at him, and the ex convict is like, Whoa, this is nuts. And he's like, Robbie, check this out. But Robbie's gone. And then Ghost Rider meets up with him, and they get into another fight. Do they? What? No. He yeah. leaves. He drives off. He drives off. Yeah. Before. 
So then the next day, the purple people eater jumps out of the sidewalk, <laughs> and what happens? They're shooting at it. It's exploding, yep. kind of. And so all a bunch of agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show up, and they're all fighting. And then we get a really nice page spread, just a full page with a couple of like inset panels of the, our heroes fighting the purple monster. It's pretty great. I really like the one of Wolverine in the bottom. Yes, where she snicks across. Yeah. All right, so then uh, Amadeus, you know, he's the genius of the bunch. What's his plan? How does he want to, why does he want to use uh, Agent Coulson and Agent May? Because they have no powers. Right, so, so this guy can't, can't eat his powers. But what does he do anyway? Try and eat them. Yeah, he bites them right on the neck. Because with, with his new spider webs that he got from Silk. So interesting. Why do you why do you what do you have any theories on why he bit him? You think he was just hungry or you think he had a reason? I think it expects to get powers from it. Okay. And he already had the other powers, so he was like, Yeah, I already ate you guys. I need something new. Yeah, so that's why um it, uh, they, Agent Coulson and Agent May end up being the ones getting bitten. And I'm thinking that the next one is just going to be like, wait, what? I'm alive. Right. So they're agents of snack. Yes. <laughs> so what would snack stand for? Security National Agency. Cracker. Of, of cold. <laughs> cracker. <laughs> of cold killers. <laughs> cold blooded killers. Yeah. Security National Agency of cold blooded killers. That's the agents of snack. Uh, speaking of which, you were, I don't think you knew what you were saying, but um, we had a guy at my college, uh, Chris, and uh, <laughs> he was a little, ooh, sometimes, a little much to handle. And um, one day <laughs> he was walking through the dorm, <laughs> and he just was yelling, Cracker! <laughs> at the top of his lungs, <laughs> walking down the hall. So anyway, whenever I hear someone say cracker, that's what I think of. Because <laughs> someone had called him a cracker for no reason, I think just to be silly, and he just got really upset about it and, and went on a cracker rampage. <laughs> well, whenever I think of bats, I remember the um, Uncle Scott story and Uncle John's story combined in th- that story. What, what are you, I'm not sure what bat story you're referring to. Okay, so you said you were just relaxing listening to your music. Uh, when, the, when the fire department showed up? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I guess I better tell it now. I may have told it on the podcast before, but if I haven't, then you're welcome. Um, so when I was oh, 16 or 17, I was an angsty teenager, right? And so... um. I was home watching the kids. I'm the oldest of four. I was home with all three of my siblings. Parents were gone. Um, I told them to go about their business. I went in my room, shut the door, uh, put on some headphones, was listening to, I don't know, probably Smashing Pumpkins and or Pearl Jam at the time. No, and you were listening to PPAP. Nope. <laughs> I was way cooler than that. Um, <laughs> what? That is the new style of music. No, that's not. And dubstep. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Anyway, so I laid down, took a nap. Um, So anyway, my two brothers were wrestling and running around the house wrestling and all kinds of stuff. 
So I woke up to fire trucks. <laughs> and what had happened is my, my brother's wrestling had moved to my parents' room and they were jumped on their bed. My parents have pictures that hang above their headboard. So they shook the bed while wrestling and just wrestling. And um, it hit the wall and the picture fell off and hit the headboard and then it bounced and the corner caught my youngest brother on the head. Now, something you want to know about my youngest brother, John, is that he was born with like his arms, his left arm stops just past the elbow. Okay? So keep that in mind. So anyway, as you know, head wounds, even so slight as just like a little puncture, can bleed quite a lot, right? Yeah. So I wake up, and my brother John is rubbed, like he rubbed his head because it hurt, so there's kind of blood all over him. And um, I wake up in time for the fire department to come to the door, and they knock on the door, and John answers the door. And this guy, I mean, he looked about the same age as me, so he was probably 20, 21 Looked like he was just out of like firefighter school, right? Like this is maybe, I in my mind I pretend that it was his first day on the job. And this was his first call. Anyway, this poor kid, as a firefighter, he walks in and he looks at my brother, looks at all the blood, looks at his arm, looks to me and says, "Oh my gosh, where's his arm?" <laughs> And my brother, who had been screaming and crying, was very taken aback and suddenly started laughing. Anyway, it's just a, it's a fun story. I'm not sure what it has to do with bats. Well, but well, I think the original time you said it, it had something to do with a bat. I think the first time you told it to me. Maybe. Well, it also... Maybe you added a bat. Maybe you thought the wrestling had a bat in it. I don't know. Well... When I think of it, you think as bats can hurt a whole lot. Yes, they can. <laughs> and some, most of the time, bats are part of the stories of concussion. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Bats are also a part of the story of that Rough Riders game when the guy got hit straight in the face. Yes, yep. Now See, the, that's the, the Rough Riders are a double-A baseball team here in Frisco. That's why... Um, that, that's why I think of that yeah, story. The association. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, Ethan, what do you think of the art? Good as always. Good as always. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, what do you think of the story? Add more ghostwriter once again. Well, it had a little bit more this it, time. It, yes, he was it, most of the book, actually, this time. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, four to one. Five, six, seven, eight, nine to two, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, three, four, five, six. So out of twenty pages, he was the main focus of fourteen of them. So that's considering where this book has been the first three issues, that's pretty good. I think That's they like do. That's like a solid seventy-five percent. I I think they do. <laughs> um, I think someone just got shot. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we're gonna go check that out. Uh, what are you gonna grade? <laughs> what 
Rami Reyes, Ghost Rider number four. Six out of three walls. Uh, that's not how we grade things here on the podcast that goes nicked. Actually, it's the way <laughs> Chubb does it. <laughs> okay, six out of three walls. You heard it here first on the podcast that goes snicked. <laughs> and that is Where's Wolverine? Woo! All right, so just in time, you may have been hearing towards the end of the episode some some storming. It's about to, uh, it's about to pour down. Yeah. Here. So we're going to go and get out of here. I mean, we're done anyway. So um, hope you enjoyed all the books for February. We closed out the month strong. No, um, but we closed it out nonetheless. I feel like it was a, a fun episode. Yeah. All the stuff we talked about that wasn't comics was really entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> our typical banter. Uh, yes, our banter. So next will be the March books. And then um, next on the flashbacks... We're going to get back hardcore into the Wolverine solo series. So that'll be fun. So anyway, um, any closing thoughts? Anything you want to say? Nope. All right, cool. Well, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye. Bye. And And snapped. snapped.